The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington-Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future-focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington-Decker, President and CEO of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce, and I'm joined today by my amazing co-host, Rachel Lawrence, Marketing Coordinator for the Chamber. Hey, Rachel. Hello, everyone. This podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber, but made possible through a phenomenal partnership with Dolphin Image Studios. Our producer from Dolphin Image Studios is Nate. Hey, Nate, tell us, our listeners, a little bit about Dolphin Image Studios. All right. Dolphin Image Studios is a uh, full production film and television studio. We offer a 3,000 square foot soundstage, psych wall, LED wall, and a podcast studio. If you want to find us, just go to facebook.com backslash Dolphin Image Studios. On today's show, we've got a one-on-one with Artie Renee Pajecki, owner of Pajecki and Pajecki LLP Global Immigration Law. A little February celebration of Heart Month with Shelley Moore, Polk Market Director for Cardiology and Imaging for Advent Health. Bruce Lyon with the Winter Haven Economic Development Council to give us the 411 on economic development efforts in our community. And an update on all of the exciting events coming up over the next month in Winter Haven. So, Rachel, do you have any uh, Valentine's Day traditions? You know, Tim actually hates Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, (laughs) I do not. I like to celebrate it, but um, I'm probably going to force him to celebrate it. That's right. You know, um, you are not married yet, so you can make a decision. (laughs) Actually, Valentine's Day, I mean, even back to, like, college, it was like, let's go find. We, in college, um, my boyfriend in college, we used to go to Moe's and have Valentine's Day dinner because there was no one ever at most on Valentine's <laughs> Day. So we never had to wait, which was great. But, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's this contrived holiday for Hallmark and, and candy stores. Exactly. But, but what about Galentine's Day? Galentine's Day needs to be a national holiday. I agree. Yeah. Let's celebrate your, your girl tribe. Your girl tribe. I agree. Actually, I will make more of an effort to celebrate Galentine's Day mm-hmm. than Valentine's Day. Me too. Yeah. Although I think now that we have kids, I think we're going to have to start celebrating That's Valentine's true. Day a little bit more. <laughs> we'll make them feel very, very loved. But um, yeah, I'm totally with you on Valentine's Day. One of the most important. New national holiday. That's right. This podcast would not be possible without our Chamber Investor Businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Meeks Real Estate. Winter Haven was rated by Realtor.com as our number one hottest real estate market. Do you need help navigating your home search? Meeks Real Estate LLC is owned and operated by broker realtor Carla Meeks. Carla has over 14 years of experience in residential and commercial real estate, as well as her GRI designation. Her office is located at 1510 North Broadway Avenue in Bartow, but Carla is actively involved in all of Polk County. Call or text Carla at any time. She would love to help you buy, sell, build, and invest in Central Florida. 863-604-9287 or visit carlameeksrealtor.com. That's C-A- R-L-A-M-E-E-K-S, Realtor.com.
Today, we are lucky to welcome our very own Chamber Board Chair, Artie Renee Pajecki of Pajecki & Pajecki LLP Global Immigration Law. Artie Renee is the ideal example of community engagement, dedication, and leadership. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. We are very excited to have you here today. Um, and, you know, I think having you involved in the community, but also involved in so many hot topics yes. uh, internationally uh, is really exciting. I think our listeners will learn a lot today about immigration law, um, but also the importance of small business ownership and entrepreneurship and giving back to the community. So I'm really excited to have you here today. Me too. Thank you. Artie Renee, you grew up in Polk County, didn't you? I did. I was actually born in Texas because my father was stationed uh, in Colleen. But then being a Winter Haven native, having been born here and raised here, as soon as he graduated with his LLM in tax law from University of Florida, we moved back to, grew up in Lakeland, then moved to Auburndale. But my father started the office right where it's at right now in Lake Howard in 1984. So you truly are like hashtag one Polk. You've lived in a lot of cities in <laughs> yes, Polk actually County. I have. Yes, I've been to school in a lot of cities too. <laughs> I love that. You have a good viewpoint of all of Polk County, which I is do. really good, really good. You understand that Lakeland is really not that far of a drive from Winter Haven, don't you? <laughs> you know, the biggest surprise was when I was doing a lot of real estate law with the Attorney's Title Fund, and the general counsel there asked me why people from Lakeland would not drive to Winter Haven for a meeting. Mm -hmm. And actually, my father had that struggle, too, because he first practiced law in Lakeland, and clients would not. They would drive from Okeechobee to Winter Haven, but they wouldn't drive from Lakeland <laughs> to Winter Haven. So. so you Lakelanders out there listening, it's yes. the question of the day. Why does it feel so far for you to drive to Winter Haven? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Having lived in Lakeland, I don't get it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you mentioned that your dad was an attorney. Um, and so when you, now where did you go to school? So I went to UCF, go Knights, go for Knights. undergrad. So I'm grateful my parents did the whole prepaid college thing. So that was paid for. Didn't have to worry about that. And then my father had graduated from Baylor Law School. So that was always my dream to go there afterwards. Yeah. Baylor, Baylor's got a good basketball team this year, don't Number they? Number one right now. Did they beat UF this Yes, time? they did. They, they did. I'm happy. Yeah. They, last <laughs> night or the night before. Yes. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I thought somebody's like, oh, there's a big basketball game on tonight. UF and Baylor. I'm like, isn't Baylor like beating everyone? Right now. Sorry, one sorry you fans out there. And number two for women. So. Oh, that's that's awesome. And that's we have awesome. a new good football coach, so I'm excited about the football season. Yeah, yeah, they're normally really good in football, too, which is great. When you graduated from law school, what made you say, I'm going to come back and go into practice with my dad? So I'm a lawyer because of my father. And while other my other classmates were doing intern clerkships during summer, I came home to work with my father. And then I had the opportunity to spend a summer abroad in Mexico which I, ironically, at the time when I did the summer abroad program, I studied international copyright and so forth, and I chose not to do the immigration track that they had because I thought I would never use that. So mm -hmm. now if I could go back again, <laughs> I would redo <laughs> that. that <laughs> so why immigration law? It's funny. It was divine intervention. When I came back to Winter Haven and I was practicing in general practice, I was miserable. Did not like law. I took, I bought every book the American Bar Association published on alternative career paths for lawyers. And it got, I was so desperate at one point, I researched how I could make a business out of a cupcake truck. But there were two <laughs> issues. One, I can't drive. And two, I love cupcakes. So the profit margin would not have been so great. <laughs> but <laughs> thank goodness, God intervened before I could self-destruct. And uh, client came to talk to my dad on an uh, actually a tax law matter told me about bringing her two children from Cuba stepchildren and I was immediately hooked and 
that's all I do now. That's fabulous. That's yeah, that's amazing. it's so interesting because I think especially college students, because most law students, would you say they do their undergrad and then they go right into law school? So yes. besides clerking or internships, they don't have a real taste of what the the actual job is. No. And studying it is a lot different than practicing that. Yes. And it's a lot of paperwork. Yes. And I think, you know, especially if you go into business or contract law, I mean, but your job and not just paperwork, but legal paperwork with the federal government and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Yes. And so it's it's not necessarily for everyone. So that's interesting that you had that kind of existential crisis like, oh, my gosh, I've got a law degree now. What do I do? Cupcake truck sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Some days it still does. I may resurrect that, but <laughs> that that can be your side hustle. Yes. <laughs> so, um, immigration law obviously has been, or immigration in general, obviously has been a hot topic for many years, um, but has really been amplified, you know, over the last three to six years. Yes. What has that done for your practice, and what are the primary types of cases that you get? So. I have to say the best thing for my practice was when President Trump, not to get political, but when he announced his presidency and running for the uh, Republican nomination, business boomed. <laughs> a lot of people who were didn't have status and were OK with that decided, mm-hmm. well, I better change things. Mm-hmm. So it changed. We've also seen actually under President Obama, he started an increase in worksite enforcement and compliance. So I've kind of moved into that area mm-hmm. where businesses who don't hire people who are allowed to work here are now being fined. Some people are going to jail and they're losing their workforce overnight. Mm-hmm. So really educating business owners on making sure that they do the I-9 compliances and that they're employing employers who are authorized to work in the United States. And with the heavy agriculture industry in Florida. I mean, have you seen that be an interesting transition for that particular line of business? It is an interesting transition. Actually, I learned something when I took the Winter Haven Leadership, I believe it was Winter Haven Leadership, and we went to the University of Florida Research Center. It It is, we do need to do an overhaul of our immigration law because for an agricultural company to bring in somebody, an um, international worker on the H-2A visa, it costs them almost $50 an hour. Wow. Yes, because they have to pay lawyer fees for the visa fees. They have to pay for their transportation. They have to pay for their rooming and boarding. And so, yes, I can see the incentive, especially when our the citrus industry is already struggling. It's, you know, depending on what the weather's like or what bugs are out there. Right. Then it is hard for them to say you have to spend that kind of money when your profit margin might not be so large. Right. Absolutely. Artie Renee, you've become a well-known subject matter expert for news media and keynote speeches on immigration subjects. What would you say the hot topic area for employees should be aware of when it comes to immigration law? Well, one, making sure that you are in compliance, you're completing the I-9s correctly, and that you are looking at the documents. But also, I think as our economy continues to thrive as we continue to do well, I think we do need to do an overhaul of our employment visas because There's an H-1B visa that's attractive to employees. They bring temporary workers here into the United States who have a college degree or an equivalent. When the economy is booming, those visas run out in one to two days. Wow. When we are in a time of slow growth, they may never run out for that fiscal year. So I think we should let the market economy decide how many immigrants we're bringing in on these employment visas. There is controversy over it, but there are a lot of checks and balances. And so I, knowing what the employer has to pay to bring in those foreign workers, 
I don't think they would do it if there was a qualified U.S. employer mm-hmm. av- employee available. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see that overhaul and let the market and um, decide. So the there's a limit to the number of visas that will be given out in any certain classification of visa. So, th- so yes, uh, if. There are, there are different options for employers. So under the H-1B, for example, teachers, I was able to work with a school this year on bringing in a foreign teacher because there are no teachers available. We have a shortage and a crisis. Right. Yeah. Um, so under the H-1B visa, yes, there is. Um, if you can't fall under the non-exempt part ca- category, mm-hmm. there is a shortage. We're also seeing, I've talked to hospitals, they're seeing a shortage of nurses and it's, they're struggling with how we can bring qualified nurses over. Right. And it is, they are limited to their options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And so besides the employment um, visas and things of that nature, are there other types of visas that people can come into the United States? I mean, whether that's family related or how, how does that work? So much that makes the news is more of the families being ripped apart or the how do you get families together and that sort of thing. So how does that work if you are here and working and you want to bring a family or you are just someone in a country that wants to immigrate to the United States? Despite how hard it is to immigrate to the United States, it's actually easier than a lot of countries. Oh, really? So, yes, um, we have a lot of classifications. We have an E-2 visa, for example, where if you we have a treaty with your country, you can invest in a company here. There's no limit. So it could be it might be hard at 30,000 level. You can invest 30,000 or you can go up further. If you have a half a million dollars, then you can buy a green card. Mm-hmm. You invest that money into a U.S. business, make sure that there are 10 employees that are hired as a result of that investment, and you have a green card for yourself, your spouse, and your children. And so I just did that recently for a gentleman from Cyprus. He said it was actually, even if he ends up losing the half a million, he will save because he has five children, and the value of the college education he's looking forward to for those children is going to be so much better here in the United States than where he is in Cyprus and he has status in the UK. So yeah. it's, it's such fun. it's such an interesting area of law, in my opinion, because it's a lot of it is, you know, very matter of fact, as you said, there's this type of visa, these are the qualifications, this is the time frame for it, mm-hmm. this is the allotment to it. But you're also it's also got this family, a very emotional thing for some people. Obviously some people it's about work, some people it's about better opportunity, um, and something along those lines. So for him to invest that amount of money but it doesn't really matter if his investment fails because he's been able to provide for his children yes. what he wanted to. So it's 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 super interesting. And I imagine it's all attorneys, no matter what field they're in, family law, criminal law, immigration law, you have to kind of step outside the emotional side of a lot of the cases that you handle. It's hard. Yeah, it, it is hard. It's hard. You, you become attached. So no matter, I would say, what your political stance is, mm-hmm. you see the people you're working with them on an individual basis and you see a lot of good they do. Um, I have had a client who was studying out in California and working with her. She's working on research right now for, to end Alzheimer's and so forth. Oh, wow. So that's one of my happy cases in that we we're able to have her stay here on a permanent basis mm-hmm. and continue that research, research and development. Yeah. That's yes. amazing. So you're actively involved in nonprofits around Polk County. Can you speak to your involvement in some of them and why you think it's important for a small business owner to be engaged? Well, I have to thank the Winter Haven Chamber because I had the opportunity to be uh, take part in the 
Winter Haven leadership. And so moving from Texas after three years in law school into Florida, I was kind of lonely. I was immersed in practicing law. I wasn't doing much after work. Mm -hmm. And so somebody suggested the leadership class. And by becoming a part of that, I felt part of the community. I got to see all the wonderful things that are happening in Winter Haven. And then from there, I was invited to be on my first board with Girls Inc. As they know from my acceptance speech with Girls Inc., not fond of children, but... (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to serve on the board for a nonprofit that has everything to do with children. (laughs) But I know. My husband's a school teacher, so I do realize the importance. The importance of children. And I'm going to be old one day and I don't have children, so somebody's going to have to take care of me. So, <laughs> um, so But just seeing seeing these girls and wanting to help them succeed and seeing the impact they have, they just, they're special. And I'm, I was grateful for the opportunity. That's great. Well, and I certainly didn't... Um, uh, ask Renee to give a plug for the Leadership Winter Haven program. <laughs> but program. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that may not be familiar with it, it is a, a program that we run through the Chamber of Commerce um, where, you know, roughly 25 to 30 individuals in the community uh, spend one day a month taking a deep dive into a particular subject matter for the community. So whether it's city government, county government, arts and culture, um, health and technology, tourism, whatever it is, but they spend the day going around the city, the county, uh, in the case of a couple weeks, the state capitol, to learn um, about how everything works. And I think the one of the biggest effects of that program is people realize how easy it is to make your mark and get involved and how hungry Winter Haven and Polk County are for young, not even young, just people willing to give of their time and their talent uh, to make it a better place. Yes. And and I'm so glad to see, or for you to attribute that to your success um, in, in getting engaged in the community. I would say probably before that, I still had an exit plan to go back to Texas, but doing the leadership <laughs> plan... <laughs> It, oh, it, thank goodness we kept you. So that cemented it. And I still yeah. am so close to the, my classmates who went through it. And that put me on the Winter Haven board also. So right. I, I saw that I saw that Winter Haven has everything I need mm-hmm. to have run a successful business and to be happy and fulfilled in so many ways. Yeah, so thank it. you. That's, That's amazing. Uh, you've watched Winter Haven change tremendously over your time here. Uh, what would you say... uh, you'd like to see happen in Winter Haven over the next 10 years? Well, it's so funny because, yes, I am a a graduate of UCF, a graduate of Baylor, but the one school I give all my money to is Polk State College. (laughs) I think it's a a fabulous resource. And Baylor actually a couple months ago asked why I don't give more to Baylor, and I told them it's because of Polk State. Um, But it's a a two-year school. There are a couple four-year degrees, but I would love to see a four-year college or university. That's my dream goal mm-hmm. for Winter Haven. I think it would change things. Um, having had some interns from Florida Southern College, I see how their families are invested in the Lakeland community, and I want that for Winter Haven. I mm-hmm. think this is a great, fabulous community, and I think that it could be enhanced with a university or college. Yeah, I think that's a great goal. And I think, you know, Polk State's done a a yeoman's job to get as many baccalaureate degrees as they have. I think they're up uh, to six, I want to say now, which is fantastic. Um, And it's certainly in areas that are much needed, uh, RN degree, um, public safety, things of that nature. But you are right. There is something about what a college town does for a community. I think so. Um, And so having that additional edge uh, in this community, whether it be through expansion of Polk State or just in general to have a, a school here would be wonderful. So that's great. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else our listeners should know about immigration law or about about you? 
Yeah. <laughs> just thinking of immigration law on the way here. There's yeah. a whole new change that came out with the Supreme Court. Oh, really? So things are ups- upside so down. So you have to learn something new every day, basically. I do. I'm, yeah. I Honestly, I cringe waking up because what else is going to happen that's going to turn things upside down oh, for no. me? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just I'm grateful for the Winter Haven community. I'm grateful for all the contacts. And I just encourage everyone to get out and see what fabulous businesses we have here. Downtown is thriving. And I look forward to seeing you at one of our local restaurants or bars. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This podcast would not be possible without our chamber and investor businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Advent Health. Advent Health came to Polk County in September 2019 with the acquisition of Heart of Florida Regional Medical Center and Lake Wales Medical Center and has swiftly become an active and engaged community partner. Established in 1908 by pioneering Seventh-day Adventists who believed in whole person health, healing of the mind, body, and spirit. Advent Health has grown into one of the largest nonprofit hospitals in the country. In addition to the two hospitals in Polk County, Advent Health has also has CentraCare, an urgent care facility on Cypress Gardens Boulevard, and a physician's group office on First Street in downtown Winter Haven. Learn more at adventhealth.com. That's adventhealth.com. As you know, February is not just for candy hearts, but also for bringing awareness of heart health. Today we have with us Shelley Moore, Polk Market Director for Cardiology and Imaging Services for Advent Health. Welcome to the podcast, Shelley. I'm so happy to be here. Great. Well, we are so happy to have you here. And I think it's very important that we talk about heart health in February, but pretty much any month, right? We should be oh, talking absolutely. about heart health. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so when should people seek medical care for chest pain? Well, obviously, I think everyone probably is very aware from all the commercials we have for aspirin and things that when you have the crushing chest pain, um, running down the arm, seek assistance. But uh, there's a lot of other symptoms that people delay care for, um, back pain, um, jaw pain. My mother had breast pain, her right breast pain, and she was offered a mammogram. And oh, I, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, don't make me. She lived in Tennessee, and I was in Kentucky, and I was like, don't make me come down there. Uh, but so she, Well, because people just don't associate oh, that necessarily, right, like right, back right. pain, breast pain, that sort of thing. Exactly. But she knew to go get checked, though. Right. Yeah. So especially in women, they have different symptoms um, that is less common, nausea, shortness of breath. So anything that's out of the ordinary, our bodies are very, very smart. So if your body is telling you something's out of the ordinary, definitely seek medical care. And we advise you to call 911 and, um, instead of driving yourself to the hospital because mm-hmm. that can get you medical care an hour sooner and get you treatment faster we know that getting treatment faster saves heart muscle, and the more heart muscle you save if you're having a heart attack, uh, the more likely you are to re- have a full recovery. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are, um, what you just mentioned kind of brought something in my head. If you don't have a director of cardiology and imaging services in your family and you do go in um, with with breast pain or something that is a symptom that you're not necessarily going to think is chest pain, how would a doctor be able to determine that? Is it just very important to tell them every single thing you're experiencing, even if it's minor? Or how can you be your own patient advocate when it comes to that? 
Exactly. Just explain everything that's going on. And we as uh, healthcare providers are trained to to ask those questions. And um, as I, if I'm teaching someone, I, I teach them not to focus on pain, but to ask about discomfort or any anything patients are feeling. Mm-hmm. And always have a high index of suspicion for uh, cardiac-related issues, for anyone having any types of arm, neck, back symptoms, any just nausea. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think about it. Um, given anybody's um, past medical history, right. family history, even sometimes flu-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you really have to dig in and be a good um, good investigator, and hopefully your patient is a good historian as well. <laughs> right, right. Or yeah, their family is. Yeah, Right, you're relying on that information so yeah, right. to come from them. So what cardiac services does Advent Health offer in Polk County? Well, we offer uh, nuclear imaging uh, for stress testing. Um, so at both hospitals, at Lake Wells and at Heart of Florida, uh, we offer, we both have cath labs at both hospitals. Um, at Lake Wells, we do diagnostic um, heart casts so mm-hmm. we can diagnose uh, coronary artery disease there. At Heart of Florida, we are able to diagnose a coronary artery disease and um, repair, uh, put stents, uh, balloon angioplasty. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, we are able to um, treat electro, uh, electrical problems, like do electrophysiology, mm-hmm. do device implants such as pacemakers, uh, biventricular pacemakers, ICDs, which are the defibrillators. Um, and um, and p- perhaps most importantly is at Heart of Florida, we are able to treat if you're having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal, the national benchmark is less than 90 minutes, and our goal is less than 60 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. To treat you from door. When you walk in our door, our goal is to treat you within 60 minutes. We have a very collaborative relationship with Polk County Fire and Rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet with them monthly to go over how we did on every single case. We review every one. Oh, wow. Uh, every data point to see what we could do better, how we could have serviced this patient or treated each individual patient mm-hmm. for in, in Polk County better. It's our goal and mission to serve this county, um, the people here, and um, give them the best care possible. So, Yeah, that's, I mean, I, lo- I love that it's not just, okay, that case is done and let's move on. It's what did we do right? What could we have done better? What could we have done faster? You know, all that sort of thing. But then communicating with your first touch point with the patient, which is typically the EMS provider in the area. So that's, Absolutely. that's wonderful. And then, of course, you know, you have these services in Polk County, but Advent Health is one of the largest uh, nonprofit, correct, hospital yeah, train, uh, uh, chains yeah, in the you're, country. You're so, and that's what makes it so wonderful. If there's something that we can't provide, we have a sister hospital that is just moments down the road. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we are connected to them by phone, electronically. We have a massive central center that uh, handles all of our transfer transfers, ins and outs, mm-hmm. Um it's pretty impressive. The knowledge bank, the knowledge yeah. bank that you have access to here in Polk County oh, from around yeah. the country, which is amazing. So what should people know to help prevent cardiovascular disease? Well, um, I always tell people, Mother Nature loads a gun, we just pull the trigger. So there's some things we... <laughs> That's your Tennessee showing, Shelly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so if you haven't already figured out from my voice, I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> But, um, yes, Mother Nature, um, you can't control what your family history is or um, what your mom and dad gave you. But you can control what you eat, whether or not you smoke, the amount of exercise you get. 
Smoking, not smoking, is probably the number one thing. If you smoke, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Mm. It's so damaging to your body. Um, and even being around secondhand smoke. Uh, so don't smoke. Get 150 minutes of exercise, moderate exercise, a week, or that equates to about 30 minutes a day, mm-hmm. five days a week. And, of course, uh, watching and monitoring what you eat. Um, I used to joke with patients, if it tastes good, spit it out. Well, it's not necessarily that bad. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but but seriously, you know, avoid trans fats, mm-hmm. uh, saturated fats, um, and do things in moderation. Um, and use a good portion control. Mm-hmm. And um, alcohol is toxic from orifice to orifice, we say. So limit <laughs> limit alcohol. I mean, some is okay, but everything in moderation. Right, right. Like, Very good. Well, you know, I think it's, like I said at the intro, it's so important to constantly be thinking about heart health, um, both from an individual, but I, I don't know a single listener out there that probably hasn't been affected by heart health, whether that be a family member or a friend or a coworker who's had a heart attack. And, and it's always shocking to me when you, when you said the, some of it's hereditary, you know, some of it is what we do to our, our bodies because you think, you know, the healthiest person just left the gym and all of a sudden they're having a heart attack. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. So making sure that you're also going to see your primary care physician and, and seeing your regular doctor on a regular basis to try to get ahead of the oh, Absolutely. The yeah. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because that is so important is to be sure you're getting regular health care and taking your meds as prescribed. Mm-hmm. Uh, any medications that are prescribed, it's very important you take them as your provider has um, prescribed them to you. Keeping your blood sugar under control if you have diabetes. And taking your cholesterol medications if you're taking anything to keep your cholesterol under control, because sometimes that can be very hereditary as well. Very good. Yeah. Well, Shelley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. I think it's important for all of our listeners. And of course, you can get more information on the services that Advent Health provides here in Polk County by visiting adventhealth.com. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of local businesses in the Winter Haven community, including our presenting sponsor, Fred Simons Insurance Agency. That's right. There's a new farmer's insurance agent in your neighborhood. Meet Fred Simons with the Fred Simons Insurance Agency located at 325 Avenue C Southwest, Winter Haven, Florida. As the road you travel changes, so can your insurance needs. Give Fred Simons a call today at 863-259-1826 so he can help you as you assess whether you're ready for the journey ahead. That's Farmers Insurance Agent Fred Simons at 863-259-1826. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are Farmers. Underwritten by Farmers, Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Our next segment is called Expanding Opportunities because intentional economic development strategies do just that for the enhanced prosperity of our residents. Today we have with us Bruce Line, President of the Winter Haven Economic Development Council, to give us the 101 on what economic development strategies are in place for Winter Haven. Welcome to the podcast, Bruce. Thank you. So what role does the Winter Haven Economic Development Council play in our community? Wow, that's a that's kind of a loaded question. Um, <laughs> Winter Haven Economic Development Council really tries to focus on 
um, bringing the right actors, the right investors to the table that can affect positive change in the community, first and foremost. Um, oftentimes, that's the city. Sometimes, it's the county. And, and more often than not, it's private investors that are interested and curious about the opportunities that Winter Haven may have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to convene those parties. We want to identify what the opportunities are that, they, that they're interested in, identify the challenges that they may have in front of them, and then work through both public policy and private sector solutions to overcome the challenges that they may have. Uh, and we do this through our membership. We do this through our professional experience. And we do this through leveraging our partnerships with any and every uh, stakeholder that we can find that can add value for the community. Mm-hmm. And what are Winter Haven's greatest strengths when it comes to business recruitment and retention? Wow, greatest strengths. That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of, of our greatest strengths really come down to our economic diversity. Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, if you think back to the recession in 2010, um, 20, 2008, 2009, 2010, Polk County underwent foreclosures at a rate of 10,000 per year for three or four years in a row, Mm -hmm. right? So nearly... We're trying to block those days out first. (laughs) Right, well, (laughs) and I totally get that. But nearly 25% of our housing in Polk County or 20% of our housing in Polk County at the time went through a foreclosure. Now, some of those units went through twice, so it's not like Mm -hmm. one in four as you walk down the street, you know, went through that, that kind of challenge. But in Winter Haven, it was particularly acute because so much of the economy was tied to the agricultural industry. Mm -hmm. And so we also had citrus greening and a lot of other challenges with, with weather that really complicated the economy in Winter Haven. Um, So one of the things that we've been very intentional about is trying to make sure that everything that we move forward with is to help diversify and strengthen the economy, right? So now we have uh, if you think about Winter Haven, if, if you if you um, think about a map, northeast, southwest type quadrants, um, Winter Haven is set up now where we have clusters of economic development in different arenas. So in the southeast, we have tourism and, 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 and hospitality and sports marketing and a lot of activities like that. In the northwest, we have the airport and some industrial and a lot of jobs that are created by that. Um, in the downtown core, you have healthcare, you have Polk State College. Um, there's IT services, there's business support services. So it's that diversity that allows any company that comes to town to access everything that it needs from businesses and vendors here in Winter Haven. What are the areas that you feel like Winter Haven needs to strengthen? So we just talked about some of our greatest strengths and industry diversification. I was actually at a meeting uh, a week ago in Tallahassee where Lakeland, Winter Haven, MSA, which is Polk County, is ranked number one in the state in industry diversification. And I think to the the reasons you just said, that's probably out of necessity because we knew we had to uh, well before maybe some other communities or other counties in in uh, Florida did with us being so heavily ingrained in agriculture. But what are the areas that we still need to work on um, or that you're working on now? Because that's part of your role in the Economic Development Council is to identify the areas where we may be weaker when it comes to business recruitment or business expansion and how we strengthen those areas. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. So so everything that we are doing well now, we need to do well at another level. Okay, so, so there's nothing that, that we can talk about that's already going on in Winter Haven that we can't grow. Mm-hmm. Right? We want to grow. We want to continue to diversify these existing industry. Um, but then we want to look at what the interplay may be between one industry and another and find out what the, maybe some shoulder opportunities may be between industry mm-hmm. to continue that type of growth. Um, we have tremendous availability of land on the south side of town for uh, logistics, supply chain, and, and manufacturing. Um, we have a 
a great amount of land at the airport for additional aviation mm-hmm. assets as well, right? So, so Winter Haven is in no way built out in any location with any of these these sectors, but we are lucky that all of our sectors are clustered together. So the hospitality and tourism feed off of one another along Cypress Gardens Boulevard, right? Downtown, the education and the hospital and the, the healthcare clinics and the government, they all feed on each other and build together. Mm-hmm. But there is still plenty of develop, developable land, plenty of assets that we can bring to bear Lots of new, of new opportunities throughout all these industry. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned aviation. You mentioned healthcare, uh, education um, between Polk State, Florida Polytechnic University. You mentioned tourism, and you mentioned logistics and distribution. Are there any other targeted industries that your organization are is looking at to actively recruit, or you're getting inquiries from? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we, we always want to look at advanced manufacturing, which I think blends a lot of the different technological aspects of IT and, and technology that we, we see today, whether or not it's in aerospace or in, in, in this case, I'll refer to specifically advanced manufacturing of something as simple as an aluminum can, mm-hmm. right? So um, f- food processing and, and the development of the food industry and the agriculture industry in a different way, we call it sometimes agri-tech. Right? That's coming along, and that's something that we try to pay attention to. But there's more to it than just that. Right? It's not just about business recruitment. It's about creating quality of life for everyone that's already here and for everyone that's going to move here to make it a, a very palatable, interesting place to live. And so that also means we have to pay attention to housing issues. Right. Right. So I hadn't mentioned housing yet, but Winter Haven's one of the fastest-growing communities in Florida. It's certainly one of the fastest-growing communities in, in Polk County and in the central part of the state. Um, we've added over 3,000 new single-family homes in the last seven years, mm-hmm. right? So the tremendous population growth, almost 10,000 people in seven or eight years now. But it's all single-family housing. In that same period of time, we've added about 100 multifamily units, Yeah. right? And so we're a little out of balance there. So there's a mm-hmm. huge opportunity for multifamily housing development mm-hmm. now. If you think about just overall national metrics, you usually have about two-thirds home ownership, one-third rental. We're building about... 30 to 1 rather than 2 to 1. Right. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's an enormous challenge. Even in the industries you've talked about, um, yeah. healthcare especially, you recruit a physician in, you need them in as soon as possible. They may not be ready to buy. They want to rent something for a year or to the student at Polk State College that needs uh, housing in, in the area. I mean, it's it's a real challenge to find rental. I remember when I was renting, I just drove up and down every street until I saw a for rent by owner sign because it was it was difficult. And there was no rentals available at the time. It was a, a real challenge. And, and it's the same way today. So there, there, so you're lucky you've bought a home, mm-hmm. right? But but for those who are still renting, you know, we I heard a story the other day from someone who manages property who said that they're having tenants come to them and ask for three-year leases mm-hmm. because they don't, not only do they not want to move anytime soon, they're here, they know they're here to stay, they're not ready to buy yet, but there's no place to move to. So they don't want to risk having their lease run out and having their rent um, increase dramatically. Right. Right. Uh, they want to understand what their future holds and stay where they are and have as much continuity as possible. That's a very unusual environment where tenants ask for three-year re- leases. Right. right. So, so very that, unusual. It's very unusual. You know, we don't have in some cases, we don't have enough vacancy for people to move. That's when the market's way too tight. 
And I've seen this one other time in my career um, where the vacancy rates were were below 2%. Mm -hmm. And and folks just, it really jams up the real estate market because people can't move. Right. Right. So now there's some good attributes to it, right? There's there's probably a tendency for folks to move out of rental and go ahead and buy a a starter home, things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily their first choice, right? And so we don't have enough uh, enough inventory right now for our locals uh, uh, um, residents to manage their first choice in rental housing. Mm-hmm. As our industry grow, as the hospital, which I think added 150 or 160 new jobs last year, as that happens, they're recruiting folks in that need a place to live, right? And so we get the job, but we might not get the resident because mm-hmm. they're going to have to commute in from other places. Yeah. So that's another concentration of, 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 of work that we have that we're really trying to focus on right now. Yeah. And we want them as a resident. <laughs> we don't want Abs- them to have to commute absolutely. in. Because that means they're on Highway 27 or they're on, on, yeah. on any of the roads coming in. And so uh, we just want them to live here. So in the so in the six years, you've been with the EDC for about six years uh, now. And can you speak to some of the biggest wins that the EDC has had? And And what I mean by this question is, of course, the groundbreaking of ribbon cutting, all of that are very exciting. And I think you've, you know, you've obviously had a, some of those over the time that you may want to mention. But you've also done a lot of laying the groundwork type of work. And so um, if you could just briefly kind of say, pick, you know, what's your, what's your best win maybe from the one category of uh, ribbon cutting, groundbreaking, et cetera. But then what have you been able to do in this kind of collaborative business community environment to make Winter Haven um, uh, more equipped or more um, foundationally prepared for economic development. Sure. No, that's that's an interesting approach to a question. Let, let me just try to use a, a baseball analogy, right? S- some EDCs or some professionals in, in the industry will talk about their home runs. They're, they're massive, you know, 400 job this or 200 job that. That's not the work that we've been doing yet. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing a lot of groundwork. Uh, we're hitting a lot of singles, but it's a, it's a lot of uh, work to bring the public sector and the private sector together to overcome challenges that are in that are in the network that we have to work with. Right. So, um, if we think back to 2014, we approached the county uh, for a grant to perform our, a market study to help understand and explain to prospective investors what the opportunities are with Legoland for hospitality and retail. And kind of what is that additional foot traffic that three, four, five, six, seven, eight thousand people a day that come through Legoland, what does that mean economically? Right. And so we did this market study, and there were at the time no hotels anywhere near Legoland. And one of the things that we told the county was this will help us understand what that market opportunity is for hotels. And then we'll provide it as an independent study to prospective developers. And what that did was that has now triggered what will soon be 569 new hotel rooms in five years, mm-hmm. right? So the importance of that is that we hit a single or maybe a double by getting the grant from the county to do the study and then another single by getting a good report that the developers could rely on. And then the hotels can start to come out of the ground. But it feeds on the idea that the bed tax out of those hotels can now help fund the new uh, um Field house. Field, field house. I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, <laughs> we just named this, right? The new right. Advent, the Advent Health, Advent Field, Health and field House and mm-hmm. Conference Center, right? So if we don't have hotels that generate bed tax, we don't get investments like that from the county, right? Right. And so these things start to feed on each other. So which one was the win for the EDC? Well, they were all like 
swinging bunts or something. I'm not right. sure, but but we got on base with all of it, right? And so I don't want to overuse the analogy, but the point is it's not always about home runs. It's about building a sustainable economy that that is diverse and that, that different sectors and clusters can help each other right. continue to grow. Well, and, and, and so that's just one example. There are there are other things that we've done, obviously, that, that have been well, successful. And one example I, I bring up a lot when I'm talking to people, because culturally, this is important to them. But when we think about Grove Roots Brewing Company downtown, Grove Roots um, has swiftly become known as Winter Haven's Backyard Party. It's just a place you go to see everybody, to hang out, relax, kids, dogs, everybody, the, the whole community. But um, it wouldn't have been possible without the work that you did um, with the city and with Grove Roots because manufacturing wasn't allowed in the downtown core. Correct. Correct. And- so, so zoning, not to cut you off, but zoning in Winter Haven in the downtown core had been uh, eliminated uh, for, for uh, uh, manufacturing, right? So, so if you wanted to be a manufacturer of some sort, you just needed to look somewhere else. Well, we had two different businesses, very small businesses that came to us and said, we were very interested in being in downtown Winter Haven. One of them um, was a, a leather goods manufacturer who just needed a couple of thousand square feet. And it could have been done. They were going to have a retail component. But the manufacturing part of it was just enough of a hurdle for them to not really be interested, mm-hmm. right? Um, the last thing you want to do when you're starting a company is take on the city to change land use or zoning or something like that. Um Next, we had a furniture manufacturer come to us who said, I really want to be downtown. I'm going to have a showroom. I need 4,000 square feet. I've got a great building. I know exactly what it needs to look like. We're, we're headed down this path. And I said, oh, yeah, but we can't have manufacturing downtown, right? right? But so we had these two instances occur. Now, the beauty of this was in working very closely with the city, we were able to give them the insight that this is going on. We're having interest from these cottage industries. Mm-hmm. How do we change the zoning to allow small cottage industries to come into Winter Haven and be manufacturers, right? How do we allow a Groove Roots brewery to, to get over the hump and not have these hurdles, mm-hmm. right, to deal with as they're trying to get started? They have so many other startup challenges. The last one they really need is, am I even allowed to do it in this building that's going to work right. perfectly and provides the environment that I need? Mm-hmm. And if it's not allowed, they move on and you miss that opportunity. So we laid the groundwork with the city so that when Grove Roots came forward, the city was ready to it and had already adapted a good portion of its of its uh, zoning to allow to for that. It. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Well, Bruce, we hope you will be a regular guest on our podcast. Give us updates on well, exciting things. You, you know. I know. <laughs> you were very well behaved. Thank you very much for that I'm today. Hard. <laughs> um, but um, we are so thankful. One, you know, Bruce and I joke with each other a lot running the Chamber of Commerce and running the EDC. Um, and not in every community um, do they work collaboratively. And we are very blessed to have a wonderful relationship with both of our organizations um, and frankly just have become good friends, being that we almost Absolutely. started at the same time in our jobs we did, so we um, we're very blessed um, one of the things we like to say all the time is Winter Haven has the secret sauce and that secret sauce is collaboration the EDC the chamber Main Street Winter Haven the city we're all marching to the beat of the same drum and we all have the same goals we may not always agree on the best or most direct route to get there but we all know we have the best interests of this community and the same goals in mind. So I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. And um, we look forward to having you back soon to give us an update. I hope you will ask me back. Thanks.
We're so excited to have Chambers event coordinator Karen Spear with us on the show today. Our event segment will cover all things happening in the Haven. Welcome, Karen. In Winter Haven, there are an abundant amount of events and activities happening around town, and today I'd love to highlight a few that are upcoming. Winter Haven's Farmer's Market is every Saturday, now through May 16th, in downtown Winter Haven on 3rd Street. February 20th, we have Taste of Winter Haven beer, wine, and food event. February 20th through March 22nd, Theater Winter Haven's production of Kinky Boots. March 7th, Community Fest, Free Family Fun Festival in downtown Winter Haven. March 9th, Leadership Summit featuring Sean Lynch, author of Spark. March 10th through 12th, the City Works Expo, Florida. Thank you so much for the update, Karen. We appreciate you joining us on the episode today. To stay up to date on all of our community events, check out our website at winterhavenchamber.com or check out our social media pages at Winter Haven Chamber. Well, that's it for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, Artie Renee Pajecki with Pajecki & Pajecki LLP, global immigration firm, Shelley Moore with Advent Health, Bruce Lyon with the Winter Haven Economic Development Council, and Karen Spear with the Winter Haven Chamber. Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber of Commerce, visit winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope you learned a little bit about our community today and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home.